Hello and welcome to this episode of Before the Crowd. Uh, I'm sat here with comedian Nazim Hussein. Uh, we're on like a we're actually sat in Melbourne Town Hall just in the seats of a yeah, venue, man. which is kind of weird. So thanks for being <laughs> on the show. Thanks for having me. Now this is the first time, as we were just saying, that I've actually sat in this audience, in, like in the seats, looking kind of at the stage. <laughs> so yeah, I'm getting a bit of a. It feels weird. Like now, I've, it's a bit intimidating when you, when you sit <laughs> in the crowd looking. I'm like, well, everyone's looking at you. This is what everyone else yeah, sees. Yeah, yeah. You don't really compute that when you're on stage. It's quite for like it's only it's like three fifty seater, I think it is. And if yeah. you stand right at the back, like the, the stage is quite a way away. But it's mm. when it's full, like you do you do get a pretty cool atmosphere in oh, here. It's a great atmosphere. Like um, they really cram them in. Like and it's it, that's the thing. Like it's what is it like three three fifty or three sixty, but. It, but it's a, it's a smallish space. Yeah. So you really, I think the energy is really intense. It and, gets pretty and, and warm. And the ceiling's low. Yeah, it, it gets <laughs> hot. So that's, you know, Dave Hughes is the other actor after me and he's, he gets furious when it's hot. And um, from, it, it kind of affects, I think, the vibe in the room. But, mm. but, uh, but yeah, you just sort of have to keep pushing on. But well, it's, it's, uh, I'd, I'd prefer a, 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 a t- tightly packed room than... There's another room in this building uh-huh. called the council chambers, mm-hmm. which looks beautiful. It's where they actually hold council. Oh, um, okay, cool. Where all the councillors and the mayor, do, they do their official business. And I actually did a show that when I first did the comedy festival, maybe 2010, I think I did it, wow. uh, with, my, with my comedy partner, Armour, back then, called Fear of a Brown Planet. And you go out and everyone is relaxed in these really comfortable chairs. It's about 30, 40 centimetres between each person. They, the leather chairs, you can kind of recline a little. Uh, it fits about 100 people and it's about the same size as this room, maybe a bit bigger mm. and it's got two tiers but it's the worst vibe because <laughs> everyone's spread, everyone's relaxed, there's no need, need to create energy. It just, mm. it was the worst and everyone that did that show, Ronnie Cheng's done it, like it was just unanimously described as the worst conversation. They don't use it anymore. Oh, okay. Stop ju- using just, it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Wow. So rooms cool. make a difference. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you were saying that was back in 2010. I wanted to ask you. So what, yeah. what kind of like brought you into doing stand-up comedy, and yeah. how did you how did you fall into the scene? Was it well, intentional or? It, kind of, it actually was unintentional. That's okay. A good way, that's a good, good way to ask, I think, because like yeah, I think um, some people definitely like I you know actively want to become comedians, whereas I was sort of doing it like kind of as community work. You know, I was doing a lot of stuff with them. Muslim community and just okay. like and so like at community events when things would go wrong like the projector would break down or or they need someone to MC the event and the, you know it, like they would get me to do it and I'd just crack just make fun of people in the audience or you know I'd back announce someone and summarize what they did in a really stupid way like I was just I was just an idiot generally okay and, and so I think you know I figured out how to elicit laughs from that ex- those experiences. And then also I did like a bit of youth work and if you're trying to engage young people, you've got to keep them awake and you've got to maintain their attention and often the way to see if they're listening is if they're laughing, they're listening. So, yeah. you know, that I would try to be funny. Keeping that engagement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, keeping that engagement. So that's kind of how it happened. And then I just remember there these American, these, this, this trio called Allah, Allah Made Me Funny. They're these Muslim American comedians. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, and I remember they were the first first comedians who were Muslim who I've ever come across and I, and I heard of them on the internet way back when and they memorized their stuff and then they were coming to Australia and they said, who's a local Muslim comedian? We didn't have one, but someone was like, oh, it's Nazim. And I was like, oh yeah, I guess I'm the comedian. And they performed at like a, at her, her Majesty's or His Majesty's Theatre, like a 2,000 seater thing. Uh-huh. It was about a thousand people came. Um, and that was the first time I'd kind of gotten on stage and, and been received as a comedian. I didn't really know what I was doing. I sort of just told stories and people laughed and stuff. Yeah. And then after those three guys, the, the, the actual full-time comedians from America, they were like, hey, that was, 
you got a good energy now. And they're really nice guys. I'm still in touch with them. They're kind of mentors. Oh, cool. And they were like, uh, but you know, there's actually like a craft to writing stand up. <laughs> you don't just get up and talk crap. You kind of, like, as in, with, they were being very nice about it. So mm. I was like, oh, really? Wow. Then I entered raw comedy for, to do five minutes, and that teaches you that it's a difficult thing to do. As in, it's difficult in that you have to think about it. Um, and then from then on, yeah, I mean, it's kind of. I was still doing it alongside full-time work in 2012, end of 2012. So. so did you feel like you kind of mentioned the Muslim community and, yeah. and how that kind of like propelled you into this scene? Yeah. Do you think as a comedian that sort of uh, it impacted your career a lot, having having the Muslim background? Oh, absolutely. Well, actually, like when we first started doing shows, so 20, 2007, at the end of 2007, I did a show with Amir and my friend Muhammad, I was just speaking to on the phone, just there, um, okay. called Fear of a Brown Planet. So I was also doing 20 minutes each. And really... We, the community used to show up like, and we used to sell out all the shows at the Lithuanian Club during the Melbourne Fringe and we sold out before we even did a show the whole week so we did an extra show in a big room which is like a big room actually it's yeah. smaller than this but, um, but it was huge for us and um, yeah most of the people that came were Muslims and, or brown people non-Muslim brown people right. and then because it sold out or started selling really quickly a lot of white people started to come just to, to see what Muslims or brown people joke about amongst themselves <laughs> So, but what it did was, it, for, for, for me, it helped us maintain a, well, a unique voice in the Australian comedy scene. Mm. Because I think if you, if, you just, if you just get up on a stage and perform in a comedy room, the audiences aren't incredibly diverse. They're just white people. People that go to comedy shows, they're not like Muslims or they're not. Right. So you sort of have to necessarily make those people laugh and relate to those experiences uh-huh. as opposed to, you know, talking to people who share your experiences and speaking with that assumption. So it kind of does help you maintain your own voice. Okay. So it was it was important that I started that way, and I think then, like now in hindsight, I'm like, oh, it's good because I, I probably wouldn't have had the confidence to. I think it was accidental confidence to just go, oh yeah, just say what you know, to people that know what you think, as opposed to trying to say what you know to people who don't have any frame of reference. Then you got to change what you're saying. You end up diluting, I think, your mm. your voice. But um. So you you kind of became a sort of paragon for sort of the Muslim kind of that, that kind of comedy scene but even like what do you, you, what do you mean by paragon <laughs> I so, don't know what that word oh, is oh sorry so like so you're um, how can I put it you're, you know you're the face of it now oh right okay. and like even because okay. like because okay. you've like you've done like you're, you're, you're on Netflix you got your orange is the new brown oh well in Australia yeah like look def- definitely um, there's a bunch of Muslim comedians but yeah I've clearly you know the, the highest profile mm. um, yeah so it's a there's a, there's a you know there's a there's a bus like, there's a there's a Good, good Muslim kind of art scene going on, but it's just sort of, you know, uh, just like art generally. It's hard to kind of get profile. So, how how did you find uh, filming mm. Orange Is the New Brown? Tell us a little oh, bit about man. that. That so that was a sketch. So you know, I started off doing. So again, I did a show on SBS called Salam Cafe back in the day, and so we mucked around with sketch, which is just an amateur show. Then I did Balls of Steel, which is sort of like a stunt show where you play a particular character, mm. and that one, you know, again I was playing one character. And then off the back of that, Legally Brown came about on SBS. And that was where I couldn't just, we were just allowed to do whatever the hell we liked. But it was SBS. And so you just go, ah, oh, whatever. It's yeah. not many people are watching. So you could just so you just go berserk. So we were just doing <laughs> stupid pranks and stunts and sketches. And sometimes, I remember when it went to air, I was sitting and watching sketches that I've seen a hundred times in the edit. But when you see it on TV, you're like, whoa, this really shouldn't be on TV. This is too weird. Okay. You know? But then when Channel 7 commissioned Orange is the New Brown, that's when you start to, to go, okay, 
you, you're making real TV. <laughs> people will probably watch. Yeah. So it was just the whole process was um, was way different. But I think it was probably it happened at the right time. You know, been doing it for a long enough. Working with with people who have got good experience and comedians who have come up with. You know, so I think um, you know Australian comedy has evolved. You know, and there's enough time between Orange Is the New Brown and previous sketch shows that Australians have in their mind. Mm. So Australian sketch comedy is pretty. You know. Like Australians point to a lot of sketch shows and they go, oh, those are, those are great shows. I hope your show measures up. But um, thankfully, like comedy has is now um, sort of looks and feels very different. So we could sort of do our own thing without having to be in the shadow. But now it was pretty nuts. We uh, we basically got to do anything. I don't know what happened to Channel Seven. I think there was someone who was out of a job there in the role that was supposed to oversee our project. Uh-huh. They just sort of let us do whatever we wanted. And they were like, <laughs> ah, it's funny, it's funny, whatever. And they liked everything and. You know, we just sketch called Aussie Sushi Train, which is like, you know, like you go to sushi restaurants here, uh-huh. and it's just Japanese food that's kind of not really authentically Japanese, but it's just catered to Western people. Mm-hmm. We did an Aussie restaurant in Japan that caters to like tourists over there, you know, whatever. So it's just a stupid, yeah. we, and we had like just the dumbest, most offensive caricatures of what it means to be Australia. And, <laughs> yeah, Channel 7 were like, yeah, that's funny, and the audience lapped it up and. It was just bizarre. I did white face as well, like prosthetics. Okay. Um, which would normally cost like 20,000 bucks. Wow. The makeup artist did it for free because she just liked working on the show. So. No, it's a, uh, man, great experience. That's awesome. Yeah, that's some of the funniest people in the country. Because you were working with Tim Minchin on that as well, Yeah, right? Tim Minchin, you know, like, that's the thing. Like, So, again, we just asked, I just thought, you know, we'll, we'll throw the net out and see who we get. Mm. And uh, people just started saying yeses. Like, all these actors who are pretty... Um, but, you know, famous for doing dramas, you know, serious series and stuff like that. They, uh, but you can sort of tell that they're funny, but they just never really get offered comedy stuff because they're obviously brilliant actors. Um, but they just all said yes. And then on set, they were just like Sigrid Thornton, one of Australia's biggest, you know, most well-respected uh, names in acting. Like she came on and she was just hilarious, riffing and coming up with their own jokes and their own sketch ideas. And um, Kamal came on, Tim Minchin... Yeah, uh, Guyton Grantley, Ka- Claudia Carvin, Cat Stewart—they all just fr- absolutely. And that's what really annoyed me is that they can act, but they can also just do comedy effortlessly. <laughs> so that kind of pissed me off, because you, know? you know this is supposed to be something that we do. <laughs> no, no, they're really good. Though. They, were, they were unbelievable. That's awesome. That's yeah. really cool to hear as well. Yeah, but it's funny how you can like touched on sort of being offensive and because like obviously like seeing your show a lot. I'm working here. <laughs> there is a lot of brown people who come. Yeah. But there's like a pretty big white population as yes. well, and like obviously, like you, you take off your mum and you do kind of like the different yeah. impressions yes. and the different voices and accents yeah. of brown people. Do you mm. think, like, have you? Uh, do you think that could be perceived in a negative light that white people are kind of like, oh, it's okay to do that stuff well, because he's doing it, so I can do it. <laughs> well, this is the thing, like, you know, I, uh, you can't poli- you know, I um, I hope that people. Uh, know that as a brown Muslim guy I could probably make jokes about my own communities mm. um, and but if like if people don't know how to interpret that and they <laughs> go out in the real world and go up to some Indian on the street and go hello da, da, you know <laughs> that's on them that's not it's, on me yeah. but uh, I, you know um, you can't really sometimes when you do jokes and you hear someone laugh in the wrong way you're like yeah, I think he took it a different way but again I still try to not centre white people in my mind when I'm doing the show because mm. then you start to figure out like then you have to constantly be second guessing like why they're laughing and what they're... 
but or anyone really. I just try to say what I think is funny. But because there's it, there's a nice mix of people in the crowd, I like to play people off each other. Yeah. <laughs> just to sort of you know because create a bit of tension, then release it, and then there's always humour in in awkward tension or just tension generally. That's mm-hmm. what comedy is. It's setting up some sort of tension, then and releasing it, misdirecting. You know, it's yeah. It's um bit of a magic show so is, is that kind of anything that is off the limits to you anything you won't joke about um i try to make sure that the targets are worthy you know i don't want to go after something that's not you know i don't want to make fun of people groups of people that are like routinely picked on or humiliated mm. but you know having said that if it's if it's very funny like, <laughs> i don't know like there's a vi- i make a vegan reference and each night i say it i'm like it's a joke. It's funny, I guess. People laugh, but is it like everyone picks on vegans? But now I've like said it so many times, like ah, it's part of the show. But it's kind of funny. Like <laughs> it's funny, it's funny. I know it's true, and it's kind of harmless. Like it's not like um, you know, I don't know. I, I do in my brain also. I'm like, well, vegans are. It's a pretty privileged group of people. <laughs> but it, but you kind of like because like as I'm I'm vegan and I and I'm, well, yeah, there you go. But I can laugh at it and it's it's so also, obviously a joke and it's you got to take it in the context of a joke. Context of a joke, but also I feel like vegans are not people who are who tend to come from uneducated, low socioeconomic. Like they tend to be educated and they, they can stand up themselves. Mm. It's not like if you're picking on Indigenous Australians or people with disabilities then it's I think that's a different target you yeah. know so you don't put them in the same boat but but uh, but yeah I still like yeah you just you sort of gotta yeah I think if the taste in your mouth is weird after you say a joke you should probably stop saying it <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's interesting I don't know but yeah, that's the one thing each night when I say that joke I'm like I don't know, but it, it's funny. But and you gotta like, I, there's, there's the bit. I don't want to like kind of give away too much of your show, but there's a great bit. Were you in the protest yesterday? No, I wasn't actually. You weren't. You. I wasn't in it. No. <laughs> you, uh, I, 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 I didn't know about it. I, was I didn't know like, <laughs> what was going on. But it's. Yeah, I don't know. I've got like different mixed feelings and all that no, stuff. No. You know, activism. But, yeah, no, I mean, I'm all for it. And you've got to make a point and you've got, you've got to stand up for what you believe in. But then... Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, whether you get people on or offside, I don't know. Like, I've, I've, I've participated in protests that have in that same spot, mm. you know, and... Uh, what, so, did, what were you protesting? I can't remember. Oh, one time it was, like, the Indian taxi drivers that were getting stabbed. Or that guy got stabbed. And then there was another one for refugees. Another one for... And there's, like, the, um, you know, survival day stuff. Right. Yeah, so it's just a variety of things, but it's, but you know, it's, you, you know, the point of, look, I don't know, people have different ideas about what a, what a protest is for, mm. you know, whether, I don't really know. Yeah, I mean. Civil disobedience and all that. I mean, it, like a peaceful protest, yeah, absolutely. But when people are like, when it gets violent and you start rioting oh, yeah. and you're like trashing buildings and stuff, I don't, yeah. that, that's just. Look, do, you see, do you like my t-shirt? I stand with egg boy. <laughs> So, I don't know if you're speaking to the right guy. No, that's, that's great. <laughs> I was down with him throwing an egg at Fraser Anning. Um. Just like, I, like my coming into this country and seeing how Australian politicians uh, j- just regarded and perceived like it's like that everyone hates them. And they just they change over so quickly. I know it's so true, man. Australian politicians are the worst. Oh, I know. Uh, it's it's yeah, it's great. <laughs> but let, let's talk about your time in and I'm a celebrity. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, cause, yeah, man, you guys over there. Tell you, so, can I ask about your listeners while we're talking? Well, Ooh. are they? Where are they from? Uh, a lot are from the UK. Right. right. Um, so yeah. So uh, for us, I'm a celebrity. Like yeah. that's a long running show. A yeah, lot yeah. of people follow that. Yeah, it's a it's a complete. And this is the thing is, 
<laughs> like, I feel like I'm defensive when I have to say this. But in the UK, it's a very different show. It's like up late and it's mm. like salacious. Whereas here in Australia, it's like at 7.30 p.m. It's oh, family really? friendly. Yeah, it's like, it's very, it's very family. And, <laughs> and like, the, like in the UK one, it's, um, you know, they have people on there who, who was that one person? She's famous for having sex with Wayne Rooney or something like that. I don't know, people were describing... There's, and there's a lot of shots in the shower. Yeah. Whereas in Australia, it's just like... It's fairly family... Like, people that you, you'll have seen, you know, not doing sexy things. Or... No, it's the opposite for us. Like, especially with, like, Katie Price and kind of a oh, whole... Yeah. Certainly, the shower shots and yeah, sort yeah. of, like, who's going to get with who in camp. Yeah, and okay, we, we okay. really turn it into this reality TV, a soap opera kind of drama, and, right, and people right. watch it religiously. Yeah. Well, listen, you got... Yeah, the numbers over there. Anyway, so, yeah, I, I did that... <laughs> Did 2017, um, and uh, man, as soon as I said yes, well, actually, it was the, uh, I, I was approached twice to the two, first year and the second year, and I said no, no, I didn't really know what it was or what it was going to be about or how people were going to be presented. The third year, well, everyone that had gone in had been treated well, and then um, I was like, oh, all right, I said yes, and then I stressed out about it for like three months until I went in. As soon as I went in, I was like completely relaxed mm. and I was just like ah oh, whatever it's fine it's, uh, it's like school camp <laughs> you know you, you don't have to worry about a thing you don't have to worry about your phone you don't have to check anything you just they're like creating this world for you and it is pretty interesting like to be honest genuinely and this sounds like I'm like spruiking the show but it was like <laughs> it's such an amazing experiment like a social experiment mm. you're chucking people there from completely different backgrounds you're forced to live with people who you wouldn't ordinarily choose to live with people who you know, normally in life, you just hang out with people that think like you, do the same yeah. sorts of things, same sorts of social interests, etc. Whereas this, like, you actually... And, and it's not just like... Normally, if you have a disagreement with something you don't like online or whatever, you have an argument, you win or you lose, or you get your points, and then you sort of exit that interaction. Right. Whereas in the jungle, you, you then have to still find a way to make family with these people. Like, we yeah. were in there for six weeks. UK, you guys are a bunch of wimps. <laughs> Three weeks. We were six... I was 46 days, more than six weeks, stuck in there. Um, and, you know, so you have to, and you become a family. It's very weird. Mm. Um, I remember the I remember actually, before I went in, I saw like, I don't know, your, one of your guys, Joel Diamond, is a British comedian. Um, like I saw some news about him. I watched a couple of clips while I was in South Africa in lockdown. Mm. I was like, let me see what this shows about. And two clips I watched, and both of them made me laugh in like two different ways. The first one I saw people fighting while they were washing dishes, and I was like, like having a petty argument. I was like, what kind of idiot? <laughs> argue knowing they're on television like this is reality like why are they what just no just just don't argue about petty stuff you idiots mm. your reputation is like <laughs> and then i saw two people like actually genuinely like have a friendship moment and like where they'd become friends and i and i was also like what are these how are these people like letting themselves like open up in front of an audience are they acting and these guys just narcissists mm. i don't know what the hell is going on and as soon as i go in so i went in for the first week like you put up your you know, everyone's got your game face on. Every interaction you have is polished. You yeah. know, you're, you're very conscious of the cameras and that it's being broadcast. By the end of the first week, it's not that you, you forget that the cameras are there. You can see them the whole time. You just get exhausted from the act. Right. And so you just actually become yourself. You have to... There's a bit of, like, an anxious wall you have to push through where you're just like, uh, nah, trust myself. I'm, I'm not a bad guy. Whatever. If I'm just myself, yeah. people are going to like me. Or they'll... I'm gonna be. I'm gonna come across as myself. Mm-hmm. So you just, yeah, and it's really liberating. As soon as you get through that, you just like you actually like you have a really good time. Yeah, I had like the best time. It was really fun. That's amazing. It's really good to hear because but it you, sounds weird because it's reality television. 
Yeah. You know? It, it's interesting to get that insider's perspective because people like, you know, like you, you, yeah. the family said, I oh, I don't like him. I want him to get yeah, eliminated. Yeah, I want her to get eliminated. Yeah. When you actually speak to someone and be like, oh, no, this is what it's like on the yeah. inside. It's very <laughs> insightful. Oh, like, well, you, well, the thing is, like, so I've, I've watched a cu- only a couple of episodes, you know, obviously like 40 episodes, whatever the hell it was. Mm. But um, when you watch it, you're like, wow, everything looks so exciting. Like, they've got like, the cool intro, then they go to the jungle studio, then they cut to camp. And the actual footage of the camp, there's not a lot of it, because most of the day is just waiting. And it's a very small area, you're basically in prison. You know, you can't leave this small area. There's nothing to do, you can't, there's no writing paper, you can't do anything, but just be bored, hungry, tired, bothered, and just talk to people. And little things, like your world becomes so small, like little variations, like become your, like it's crazy. So. That's kind of how they get the drama out of people, just making you so bored and hungry that you say something or you do something. And, and it's really interesting. I remember like the first week, at the end of the first week, we were like, I remember we were all like, oh, this is so harmonious. We were all getting along. And arrogantly, we were like, oh, maybe this is like the best year they've ever had. <laughs> and then all they did is they introduced a chores board and they said, give me the chores amongst yourself and pick a camp leader. Literally like an hour later, everyone would just start fighting with each other. Wow. And that lasted for like two days until they took the leaderboard out. Then harmony was brought back and we were all suddenly getting then they made another variation and everyone loses their minds then they take that you know they, mm. it's just so easy to toy with this group dynamic it was That's super ma- interesting so sometimes when you're like getting caught up into it you just go oh this is actually really interesting what they're doing here it's, it's just mental how they can just manipulate us so so easily with, with nothing much that's really cool. That's very interesting. Um, we're going to have to start to wrap up soon because um, we're going to have to start doing shows. Yeah, later yeah, tonight. Yeah. Um, but just tell us about your show, what, you, what you've got coming up for the rest no, of 2019. This show, well, I'm just going to tour the hell out of it. So, you know, doing the whole country. Uh, I've got Sydney and Perth next and um, showing Christchurch at some point and then, and then probably the UK. Go nice. to Sri Lanka probably. Maybe South Africa as well. Cool. Uh, we'll just see. We'll just see what happens. Are you gonna come over and do Edinburgh in the UK, uh, or are you doing like a whole still tour? Still a decision to be made, and then London as well. Maybe the whole country. Don't know. Mm. At this point, like this, quite today, literally having conversations about it. That's so, cool. Yeah, gotta figure it out. There's some cool comedy clubs over in London, and like some, oh, London's some cool the best, man. Yeah, like you can do like a bunch of gigs every night. Yeah, definitely. People go out like pretty much every night of a week as well. Yeah, which oh, it's is a world city. Right? Yeah, I mean it's so refreshing as well. But you can just go out. It's it's not normally like too expensive. If you want to go somewhere, yeah. it's more like the price of a drink is expensive. Yeah, but yeah, you want to yeah. go out. You want to because everyone works in the city. I mean, if you've got like a six o'clock show, yeah, you might as well go see the show, and then you're going to miss rush hour. Exactly. Which is no, nice. that's so interesting. Actually, that's such. A, yeah, you might as well go see a comedy show to avoid the traffic. Yeah. But like the early shows are a good one to go to because if you've got like a show at six o'clock or yeah. whatever, finish work at five half five mm. go get a quick dinner yeah. somewhere yeah. like go to Chinatown get a takeout yeah. go watch a comedy show and then you get the tube back you're home at 7 or 8 yeah, yeah, rather yeah. than like staying up till 9 o'clock and then you get yeah. home at 11 so yeah yeah, London's a cool city man hopefully see yeah, you over there yeah no for sure man cool well uh, yeah thanks so much for being a guest really appreciate it thank you for having me on and thanks for thanks for friggin you know making this run so awesome for me no it's great <laughs> man uh, yeah so thanks to Nazim here uh, come and watch his show Basic Idiot that's going to be running at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival from now until Sunday 21st of April yes. and then as he said he's going to be touring Perth Sydney the rest of the country heading over to New Zealand to Christchurch and then hopefully Sri Lanka if anyone's right. over there yeah, watching yeah. it but otherwise just, just stalk me on the socials and I'll um, slide into my DMs with any gig questions <laughs> I don't know actually that's weird that sounded weird <laughs> that's great thanks so much thanks, appreciate you. it